It's Mailbox Day today, where I'm answering more of your questions. Welcome to Love Life, featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Today I'm answering four listeners' emails from the Love Life Tribe, which cover four completely different situations, yet situations that I feel many of us have been in, including someone who's stressed out, lost their mojo and feeling unhappy, the mum of a highly sensitive child who wants to introduce them to the teachings and concept around being highly sensitive. What to do when you have a different opinion than that of a friend and it causes a bit of conflict? And finally, the ongoing battle of who pays for the date. This time, though, from a male perspective. So let's get into them. There's a letter in your mailbox. Now, now, now who the hell is this? Emailing me at 1126. <laughs> Send me an email. You've got mail. You've got mail. You've got some mail. Hi, Jane. I don't know why, but I'm feeling really not myself right now. I've done lots of self-development and I've lots of really positive things going on in my life, like a new job, a new partner, a new home I'm moving into. So I feel I should be really happy, but I'm not. I'm hoping you can help. The first thing I want to point out here is that When you've got a lot going on, it creates stress. Now, even if it's in the positive, it's still stress. I remember back in the early 1980s, I went to a workshop and it was all around stress management. And that was quite a new topic back then. I know it's every day now. Maybe we're more stressed than ever now. However, one of the things that happened was there was a room of about 100 attendees at this workshop and the facilitator had us go through a stress test. Now, I'm sure stress tests have probably changed hugely in the last what's that, 80, 90, 35, nearly 40 years. However, I imagine that the principle is still exactly the same. So what happened, we had to fill out a stress test that was very black and white. And the questions were simply, have you had a change in finances recently? And it was all to be done within the last six months, or do you anticipate within the next six months? So you're kind of working over a 12-month period, but you're sitting right in the middle. So six months back, six months forward. So it's very black or white. The answers are yes or no. Have you had a change in finances or do you anticipate a change in finances? Yes or no. Have you had a change in relationships? Have you had a change in friendships? Have you had a change in your home living situation? Have you had a change in your work life, etc.? Now, at the time, I had just got engaged. I had sold my flat. I had bought a new home with my new partner. We were moving in together, so that was a change in the relationship. We had changed our finances incredibly. I'd had a promotion at a job that I was working in as I was trying to get my own business off the ground. So I'd had a change in that as well. So as I went through this questionnaire, I ticked yes, 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 yes on a lot of things. At the end of the questionnaire, The facilitator had everybody uh, put their hands up if they had more than 25 points. And from memory, I think each area of stress was like 25 or 50 points offhand. Just about every attendee's hand went up. They all had over 25 points. She said, keep your hand up if you've got over 50. Half the room went down. 
If you've got over 75, three quarters of the room went down. If you've got over 100, keep your hand up. There were only two people, me and another person. And she kind of raised her eyebrows and changed her tone of voice and said, over 125? Well, the other person's hand went down and I felt embarrassed. So I pulled my hand down. I had 225 points. Now, this is not the kind of, you know, high points on a math test that you're wanting to achieve. I was thinking, what's going on? I'm looking at my list. Have I lied? Have I made a mistake? No, I haven't made a mistake. So I waited until the break in the course and went up to the facilitator and said, look, I've done this test. I've got 225 points here. I don't understand. And she looked at me as her eyes widened and she said, right, tell me what's going on. So I explained everything that was changing in my life. And one of the things that she said is that I have an ability to handle a lot of stress. Now, that's kind of unusual for a highly sensitive person. But what I am also is a high sensation seeking person. And that is 3%. So many of you listening may find that you too are high sensation seeking. It basically means that we demand a lot of change. We like change. We like a lot going on. But having said that, we can get overwhelmed very easily. So the facilitator's advice at that point was, know that you are likely right on the top end of what is going on in your life. And at some point, if you take on too much more, you may not cope, you might go into meltdown, you could even go into a mental breakdown. Now, I'm using language from the 80s, but this was what was shared with me. And not long after that, I did have another change occur and I did really want to stop the planet and get off. And I think that's what's going on for this listener. She's got a new job. So that means that she's had the stress of leaving an old job, saying goodbye to people that maybe she cares for. Uh, She's got a new job. Therefore, there's change in finances. There's change in relationships there. There's change in what's going on in her everyday life. She's got a new partner. That's a huge change. She's got a new home that she's moving into. So one would assume not just the move, but there's also financial change going on here. So I'm suspecting that she's right at the very top of her stress and isn't coping and therefore is not happy, even though everything that's going on is what she's wanted. Now, I wanted to include this question today because many of you are working on your vision boards, you're manifesting at a faster rate than ever, and I want you to be aware that you may be bringing in a little more than you want to handle. So what do you do if you find yourself in this situation? The first thing you've got to do is look for, what can I let go? So at that particular point, standards that I had in everyday life dropped. There were some things that just didn't matter for that period of time. Maybe you're a neat freak. You love having everything really spick and span and perfect in your home. Can you just sit in it and let it go for the next few months? Or maybe you have to reply to every email within 30 minutes. Can you let that go and not reply for a couple of days just for this period? So really look at what is not urgent and not important and cut that from your life for now. And this is what the fourth agreement means by doing your best. It's understanding that your best changes given the circumstances that you are currently in. 
And the final bit of advice I've got here is that I want you all to put on your vision boards something along the lines of peace and tranquility or private time, alone time, rest time, whatever that looks like for you, make sure that you include that as well. Because most of us that are buzzing around at the top end of excitement, joy, whatever that we're feeling need to be able to come down from that from time to time into tranquility, peace, calmness. So I hope that that helps. Here's my story. Can you help me, Jane? Jane, I too am highly sensitive, as are both of my children aged seven and three. My seven-year-old doesn't want to enter the school classroom each morning and refuses to go to large supermarkets or shopping centres. This is becoming a real problem. I want to explain to my seven-year-old about sensitivity, but I've no idea how to go about it. Can you please share some tips? What an awesome question to receive. And first off, kudos to you for sending this in and recognizing that you are really wanting to parent this beautiful child to be raised with, as a HSP, enabling them to recognize it as the beautiful gift it is and that it's just something to be managed. I feel the very first thing that we have to do here is remind you that because you're HSP and they are as well, it's very easy to trigger each other. Their overwhelmment, you take on, you become overwhelmed. I know I've had it in my house for years. And so it really does take some managing. So the most important thing is self-care for yourself first. Make sure that your energy reserves are not being depleted, that your energy tank is filled up and that you've got good resources to support you so that you're able to hold the energy for your child. And holding the energy, it looks like different things for different people, but really it means are you able to remain in a loving, neutral space to offer comfort and soothing to your child? Now, the next thing is how do you have the conversation with a young child about this thing called sensitivity? I have, I've had lots of friends in this situation, so I've given out a lot of advice on this. I believe the first thing is to explain to them about energy and how energy comes in and it goes out. But sometimes how too much energy coming in can make you feel a bit sick or it makes you feel a bit unhappy or too much energy going out can do the same thing. So you can give examples of what is it like when you run really, really fast for a really, really long time and you feel exhausted. Well, that's too much energy out. What does it feel like if there's too much energy coming in? And you can talk about, you know, when there's loud sirens going by or when you've got scratchy clothes on that you don't like, it really annoys you. It's too much stuff coming in or you're in a really crowded place. That's usually a good example, really crowded places. And by the way, it's very common for HSP children to have difficulty moving into a space where there's a lot of people. So whether that's a classroom, a shopping centre as in these cases, or it could be a birthday party, it could be anything. Positive experiences can still create this for them. So the next thing is to explain to them that they're like a sponge, where a sponge soaks up water, they soak up energy, and that they take a lot of people's energy into their bodies. Now, here is where I've had my friends do little drawings. So I'm going to try and describe the drawings over audio or with audio. Start with some stick figures of your family. So on a piece of paper, do 
Over on one side, you might do a stick figure of mummy and daddy and maybe some siblings. And then over on one side or in the middle of the page, have the drawing of the child you're talking to. And ask the child, what does it feel like when mummy or daddy are not happy? Maybe they're a bit crabby or maybe they're in a bit of a bad mood or maybe they're a bit angry or upset about something. Ask the child, do you feel that? And I guarantee they'll be nodding their heads going, yes. Also, listen. This is an opportunity that they may share some really good poles of wisdom with you. This is where they may really articulate well exactly what they're feeling and where in their body it feels and and what they would like to be doing about it. They may well already have the answers. So grab the opportunity to listen as you have this discussion. Now, they may not articulate anything. They might just nod their head and say yes. So as you've described that they can feel somebody else's feelings like a sponge and that they've noticed that they can feel when mummy's upset or daddy's angry or whatever, I want you to then go, okay, well, here's mummy and mummy's upset and she's got lightning bolts coming off of her of energy. And so draw lightning bolts all coming outside your body and then draw ones going straight from your body into your child's body. So there's lightning bolts of energy coming off mum and straight into the child. Now do the same with the dad. That's, of course, assuming that there's mum and dad present in the house. Now have a look at the siblings if they're siblings. Now in this case there is. What about when the sibling has a fight? The energy comes out or the sibling has a meltdown or the sibling is yeah throwing a tantrum, having any sort of emotion. So this child that's sitting in the middle of this picture now has lightning bolts of energy coming from mum, from dad, from the sibling. You can even talk about happy energy. Somebody comes in really excited. It's still energy and that energy is going straight into the child. So don't do this all about negative emotion. Do it about positive emotion as well. It's all the same thing. It's all energy coming into the child. And then ask the child, is this how you feel like you've got all this stuff coming into your body? And they're going to nod their head or say yes. And ask them, what does it feel like? They might just shrug their shoulders or stare at you and not have an answer, but they may well have one. So grab that opportunity to see if there is an answer. Now they're starting to understand what's going on with their physical body. So the next thing is to have a conversation about how can we get rid of this energy when you've got too much energy coming in? Now, depending on the child, it might be that they need to run it off. Stomping, running, jumping, skipping, getting on a trampoline. Those kind of jolting movements literally somehow seem to jolt the energy out of their body. It might be a child that wants to cry let them cry. That's going to release the energy for them too. It might be a child that wants to withdraw and be alone. And alone means alone, not even with you sometimes. So have a little chat about what tools are going to work for them best there. Now let's get into preventative. So now they've got an understanding of the energy. You can look at the schoolroom. So you're standing outside the schoolroom And it takes them ages to get inside the schoolroom because there's all this energy that's being projected straight at them. And believe me, they're taking it in. So what can they do? Imagining an energetic bubble around them is very good. Even Kerry Pothast in the recent episode, having to contain the energy of 10,000 screaming fans at the Sydney Olympics Games, she created a glass bubble around herself, her player, the opposition and the court. 
and it works. So this is a very cool tool. So try and find the language that suits your family, your vocabulary. Now, in my family, it would be see some beautiful light coming down from your angels. If you talk spiritual, highly sensitive children are deeply connected to uh, spirituality, to angels, to the other side. They are also particularly up to the age of seven, they usually can see the other side quite clearly. They'll see colours, they'll see auras, they will see bubbles, they will see angels, all sorts of things. Ask them. It's fascinating. Now, as they've got this beautiful bubble around them, imagine that the energy lightning bolts that are coming off of other people are hitting that bubble and ricocheting off. So draw another picture of what that looks like. So they've got a clear visual of their protection of armor. Now, of course, some of it's going to come through, but they're going to imagine it bouncing off all over the place. Give them superhero powers with this. Make it fun, exciting. The next thing I would do is have them understand that the energy can come in gradually rather than in one hit. So they can have the bubble around them and they might decide to undo a zip on the bubble and let their friend that they're going to sit next to in the classroom in on the bubble as well all in their head so they can sit there side by side with their friend and they might open the zip further and let the teacher in or a couple of other people and through the day they can let the bubble relax if they choose. If talking about angels or spirit guides or God or whatever terminology of spirituality and entities you use in your home is something suitable for you, Archangel Michael is the rock star of protection. So I would encourage you to get a little Archangel Michael statue to have in their bedroom. They can even carry it around. It can go in their school bag anywhere they want. And uh, encourage them to call upon Archangel Michael every morning before going in the schoolroom and ask him to be there to help them to feel protected, to feel safe, to not take on bad people's energy, to not take on too much good energy so that they can be peaceful and calm and happy. You can do exactly the same when you're forced to go to the supermarket and the shopping centres. Now, keep those visits short. To this day, my maximum at a shopping centre, an absolute maximum, is two hours. I really dislike the shopping centres. I feel like I've got these huge white wings on the back of me and as I'm dragging my way around, say, Westfield Marion, they are getting mud covered. It's covered with everybody else's stuff and I'm exhausted. So my children know my shopping trips are very brief. I prefer 30 minutes to an hour, in and out. I know where I'm going and what I'm doing. So keep the visits short, be precise, know what you're doing. Give your children warning. Advance notice on what's going on during the day helps them to get comfortable with what's coming up. And Dr. Elaine Aaron, the founder of this research, her tip is no more than two errands per day for the highly sensitive child. And the final thing I want to encourage you to do, which is beautiful and works so well for every highly sensitive child I've ever worked with or known of, is creating a sacred space in your home that is just for them. Now, if you're lucky enough to have an outdoor area, get a teepee tent, something fun like a Like, yeah, the little tent area. If you don't, it can just be a little area in their bedroom 
a chair, those soft foam chairs, but it's got their things there. You might choose to have favorite pictures there or a favorite book or Archangel Michael's statue or crystals or feathers or drawings. But whatever it is, it is their area. And energetically, nobody is allowed to go in that area without being invited in. That is their sacred space that is just their energy. It's not mums, it's not dads, it's not the siblings, it's not friends. It is just their energy in that little space. And it can be created in a small corner or in a large area. It's entirely up to you what you've got available. But that is my rock star tip to create a beautiful sacred space for your gorgeous, highly sensitive child. And finally, watch all of the frustration that you may have around their sensitivity. You know, let them know that they can have their feelings. They're going to get sensitive to food or fussy or energy levels or motivation or temperature or noise or clothes or it can be a whole range of things, too much going on. Let them have their feelings. It's time for Heart Talk. Hi, Jane. I would like some guidance on how to continue a conversation with someone who differs in opinion on moral matters or something just as significant. It's never my intention to enter into an argument. I would prefer a healthy, adult-like, respectful debate. But it takes two people to achieve that. And because I often assume from past experiences that the other person doesn't know how to healthily debate, and therefore I am likely to be upset by their manner. Yes, I'm HSP. I have found in the past that I've simply nodded so as to be as passive and let them think I agree without verbally agreeing. I guess this perhaps is a lesson in being assertive, but I don't think so. I can be assertive if I need to be. To me, this is more a tango between honouring my truth while being compassionate to theirs, all the while trying not to be upset by what I find to be their insensitive manner. Is this called holding space? I don't really understand that term. Okay, awesome question and something that I have been in that situation my entire life thousands of times, so I totally get it. First off, is this called holding space? Not in my understanding, no. Holding space is a whole different thing and that's a great question in itself. So I'm going to put that on the list to answer in another episode. However, the short version of holding space is being in neutral loving energy to support another. That's the short version. Okay, so back to the question. Now, I love that you've said here, it's never my intention to enter into an argument. So that's great because the first thing that has to happen is that we have to set our intent. What is it that we want to have from this conversation? What's the outcome? What are we hoping for? Now, that intent is going to vary depending on who it is that you're having the conversation with. If it is somebody that is really important to you, you've selected somebody that you really want to be on the same page with or you want deep understanding of each other with, then this is really important that you set your intent for a loving soul connection of exchange. If it is somebody that you feel like you have to speak up because it's something that morally you feel strongly about, but it's not somebody that is incredibly important to you, then you set your intent for you to be able to deliver your wisdom, heart-centered, for the other to receive and contemplate. 
you let it go. You just deliver one-sided your wisdom. And you're not wanting the argument. You're not wanting their stuff coming back at you because it hurts you or you're giving your power away to somebody that you don't value enough to be holding your power. I hope that makes sense. All right, so once you've set your intent, the next thing is to understand in this conversation the energy dance. I call it the ball exchange. Now, I talk about this at great detail in my HSP course and in the anxiety course. However, the short version is when somebody communicates with another, they project something towards you, whatever. It's energy coming at you. The natural way of communicating is to catch that energy and then project back to them with exactly the same amount. So if somebody is speaking really softly, you'll likely speak softly back to them. If somebody's being really assertive, you're going to give it back to them really assertive. So we catch that energy ball and we automatically add our words and throw it back with either exactly the same pace or volume of energy, content of energy, or even increase it. And this is how arguments escalate or discussions escalate. What I encourage people to get their head around is catch that ball of energy that's come at you from them and place it down by your side and now drop into your heart and deliver your response. So this is why it takes two to fight and it's hard to fight with me unless my resilience is down because I'm quite good at being able to catch the energy of another and place it down by my side and then deliver what I wish with my energy back to them. And I, if it's somebody that's important to me, I will want to deliver that with loving energy, with soothing energy, but with connective energy. And I'll just keep doing that. However, this person's quite right that it takes two to be able to do this. And most people can't. So the responsibility is on you as the conscious person to know that you choose to dance this dance with strong ability to be able to not hold their energy and ricochet it back at them, but to be able to deliver each word that comes out of your mouth with heart-centered loving intent. And if you can hold that strong for long enough, they will do one of two things. They will walk off and remove themselves vibrationally from you because you are now no longer um, a vibrational match. The law of attraction will make that happen. Or they're going to soften their energy and drop into their heart with the intent of wanting to connect with you. So this is rapport building. When somebody is communicating with you, are they in rapport or out of rapport? And every statement Every word that comes out of their mouth is giving you an indication whether they are moving into rapport or they are moving away from rapport. So my commitment is with my intent is to be in rapport. Then that's how I'm going to continue the conversation. If I see their words or their body language start to withdraw so they are moving out of rapport with me, then it's my decision at that point 
What do I want to have happen from here? So you've really got to have your A game on. You've really got to be reading the body language, listening carefully to the words and committing to your intent and allowing your intent to change throughout the conversation because it is the unknown. We don't know how a conversation is going to go. And so we may need to withdraw ourselves and move out of rapport. So you get good at doing that graciously, heart-centered again. Or we work hard to build the rapport, to get them to shift from being out of rapport to moving into rapport. Now, the last thing I want to mention on that particular energetic dance is at some point in that conversation, you might need to remind yourself, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? Now, I know there's a third one there that says, do I want to be understood? And that's really what you're wanting. But if the other person is not in rapport, they're not in a situation to understand. So you have to drop that one. That's gone. It's not happening. What can I do now? Do I want to be happy or do I want to be right? Now, if I want to be right, then I'm going to get on my high horse and I'm going to start projecting one way information that I hope they can take away and process, but there will be damage done. Or do I want to be happy? And if I want to be happy, then I graciously exit while in rapport. Now, you need to be aware at some point you may trigger them. And do you want that? Is that a price that you're willing to pay? So these are the kind of thoughts and emotions that we need to be thinking about before having the conversation. What's the price? What is the value of this? How important is this to me? And only you will know the answer in any given situation. So let's assume the person's important. Let's assume the information to be delivered is important and that you really want them to understand. Then you've got to pull on every one of your skills to remain in rapport with beautiful, heart-centered, consistent energy being projected. Get into observing, not reacting. This is an unpredictable situation. So it is really important that the observation is strong and the reaction is non-existent. An additional tip I can give here, if this is about honoring your truth, then it doesn't need to be a discussion. It needs to be a one-way delivery of gentle honesty. And when I say gentle, it's compassionate. You know, you've got to be kind and understand and empathetic of the other person. But instead of it being a discussion, it can be a delivery of your truth. And what that looks like is, I want to share something with you. I know that you're probably not ready to discuss it, or maybe you'll never want to discuss it, but it's something that's very important to me. And I want to share it to you because you're important to me. And I want you to know, as a result of how much I care for you, I want you to know this about me. And as you share your message of truth, you wind it up immediately with, thank you so much for listening. I'm really grateful. And then what you do before they react, you don't give them a chance to react. The next thing that you do is you quickly change the subject to something lighthearted or it might be enough of that heavy stuff. Now, let me go and get us a glass of champagne or whatever. You change the topic and you change the energy. So when I wish to deliver something to someone, 
that I don't want a discussion, but I wish to deliver. And it might be something beautiful. It might be where I say, I just want you to know that I value you and love you so much. And I'm really grateful that you're here with me today. And then I just turn and walk away or turn and move my body language away so they know they don't have to respond. I want them to just sit in that beautiful truth of mine. I don't want them to respond. I didn't say that to get anything back. I said it because that's my truth of what I wanted to give them. So I move away. I shift my body language so they know they don't have to respond to me. And that's a lovely, elegant way of exiting for both of you. It's really high-end high vibration, highly spiritual, beautiful, caring for a relationship. Now, if you want to learn more about this whole energetic dance, I've got a whole module on this in the Free to Be Me course, which you can get details at my website, janedonovan.com.au. It's very cool stuff to master and can be used every day in multiple situations for huge benefit. So Jane, I'm assuming all is going really well at this early stage in my relationship and the gentleman being me and used to doing fun things starts paying for everything such as dinner, drinks and entertainment. I'm financially capable and not really worried from the money point of view, but in principle, there comes a time when I would have thought some reciprocation would occur. Assuming that's not occurred, how would you suggest I raise the matter? It may be that the lady thinks I actually expect or want to fund the relationship, or that lifestyles aren't matched and she's happy to go with my lifestyle, but only if I pay. Or maybe underlying things, it's just an expectation that she has. However, whatever the situation, it has to come up somehow, as if it festers, it will become a deal breaker. From a principal point of view, like I would have thought that when it drinks, a partner would simply say, hey, at least let me get this round. Or be straight up and say, look, festival theatre is great, but with sitters and tickets and drinks, I can't afford it. So how do I address this with her without fracturing an otherwise great connection? Or is this a sign of not so great connection? This is an awesome question and one of the most hotly debated questions when I do my public seminars on how to date happily. Men and women are confused. They don't know what the rules of the game are and there is no one rule fits all. So I love that this man has thought so deeply about the different reasons behind it. He's trying to not jump to conclusions here, which is so important because inaccurate conclusions or inaccurate judgments or assumptions is the number one self-sabotaging behavior I see in the dating world. So incompatibility in relationships, money Finances is just another area that we need to be compatible in. And it's not about having an equal that earns exactly the same amount of money as you do. You might have that, but one person might be blowing every single cent they've got and hugely in debt, while the other is saving for the future to complete contrasts. It's about how you respect and use money. And you want to be with somebody, ideally, who has a similar way of being. So it is important to have this conversation. Now, the fears that are going on is, am I being taken advantage of? Will it always be this way? Are they not a generous person? And so on. There's a lot of underlying fear. And so it's important to look at what your fears are and have them addressed. 
Now, for some reason, money seems to be a sensitive topic. So it is a hard one to bring up without the other person making all sorts of assumptions about why you're bringing it up or their feelings could be hurt really easily. And that's why I love that this guy has said, so how do I address this without fracturing an otherwise great connection? So you start by having general conversations about your compatibility. You know that it's very common in the early dating stages to be talking about, I can't believe that we've got so much in common. I can't believe we love the same movies or I can't believe we love traveling to the same types of places or I can't believe that we have such similar political views or we seem to have such common moral ground here. You're looking for the compatibilities and you're often talking about it. So when you're next talking about that, you can slip in a few questions such as, well, how do you feel about this? And it becomes a discussion, not finger pointing or blaming or accusing or judging. So how do you feel about money? Is money something that you feel comes easily and freely? It comes in, it goes out, you spend freely. Is money something that you find there's a lack of? Are you somebody who's generous with money? Are you very careful and cautious with money? What's your take on it? How do you feel? And then you start to find out what their view around money is. Then you can process it. You don't need to turn it into a conclusive discussion at that point. It's just finding out their points of view. If you wish, you can share your views around money. I like to be generous, but I like to be spoiled too. It's important that I feel as though I'm worthy of being spent on or whatever it is that is going on with this person's individual mindset. Now, another tip here, though, I want to remind everybody about the five love languages, remembering that there are five different ways that people express and feel love and that each of us will have one or two that we are dominant in. And there will be one or two, maybe three that we really either don't care about at all and don't relate to or we feel and relate to less than. Now, the five love languages are words of affirmation. So that's the person that's good at saying, I love you, or they're really good at expressing how they feel about something. We've got touch. No men, that's not sex. It's touch. It's hugging, hand-holding, sitting on a couch, having the legs touch side by side. It's time. And that means spending quality time together, really wanting to be present with each other. It's acts of service, the doing of things, and it is gift giving. Now, often dollars can be associated with either acts of service or gift giving quite easily. So potentially, maybe the other person doesn't relate to that. And so they don't do that for another, but maybe they're giving words or touch or time. So you may still be financially compatible in the way that you are viewing and respecting and using money. But maybe it's not their love language. So it is an important discussion to have to find out what is each person's individual love language. And the fun way to bring that up is, I heard this talked about on a podcast the other day, and there's a website you can go to called thefivelovelanguages.org, where we can do a quick five-minute test and get the results emailed straight back to us. Let's do the test and find out what our love languages are because that way I will know how I can make you feel really good about yourself in a way that you really deeply feel it and you can do the same for me. 
So it is all about communication and it is about not making judgment, bringing things up generally in a how do you feel, open discussion. We're getting to know each other further. It's interesting to explore different topics. And if we find something we're not compatible on, but there's so much we are compatible on, it doesn't have to be a deal breaker. It just means it's an area we need to negotiate our way through. And I'll remind you also of an episode that I did a long, long time ago called The Four Stages of a Relationship, which talks about the four stages that people go through in the first 12 months of dating. So have a listen to that. I'll put the link up in the show notes and see if that helps as well. Thank you to the gorgeous listeners for sending in these really important questions that I know will help many other people. If you know of somebody who may be facing one of these challenges, then I encourage you to share the episode with them so together we can support and soothe each other. I also want to invite you to be on the show. I'm about to record an episode titled, What Is It You Love About Yourself? and would really enjoy having a lot of input from the Love Life listeners on this episode. If you'd like to be a part of the show, then head to the website lovelifeshow.com and send me an email. And while on the website, you can also check out all the past Love Life episodes, all 224 of them. And until next week, soothe yourself and those you love with kindness. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening. And it's a beautiful day.